Our topic today out of God's Word is out of the book of Zechariah, chapter 3, New Garments. Very, very powerful chapter. I mean, the whole Bible is powerful, right? Every verse in the Word of God is powerful. Some of you I shouldn't say very powerful in comparison with the rest of the Word of God. So anyway, let's hopefully enjoy this together by God's grace. Chapter 1, 3, verse 1. He showed me Joshua the Kohen Gadol standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. And so right here from the start, verse 1 has just a lot right in it here. All right, so Joshua the Kohen Gadol, this is the same Joshua that we've seen in other books of the Bible regarding the same time period. In some of those other ones, Haggai, he's referred to as, um, as Yeshua ben Jehozadak, uh, salvation, son of the righteous God. Right? And so he is a real person. He was a real person. That was his name, great name, foreshadowing the Messiah to come, who is Yeshua, the son of the righteous God. But this was a uh, person who lived uh, on earth before that time. And back in the time when we recently come out of Babylon, and here he was with this position as the Kohen Gadol, and he's here standing before the angel of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord here in this particular instance, in this particular chapter, as we'll see as we continue on in the next few verses, is no other than Yeshua the Messiah in his pre-incarnate form. Now he's referred to as the angel of the Lord. That doesn't mean he's an angel. That word angel is also translated as messenger. So he can be the messenger of the Lord. And so Yeshua was not an angel. He was um, God from the very beginning, thought not robbery to be equal with God. But he takes various different forms. He became flesh, for example. And, uh, and so it depends on what role he is playing at what point in time in history. He is also over all of the angel. He is over all. Right? He's creator of all the, the heavens and the earth. And, uh, and so here he is in the, referred to in this role. We see him in other places in the Bible referred to. Not every time it says angel of the Lord, it's him. But there are several places in the Bible where it's angel of the Lord and it's obviously a divine being as you continue in the chapter. Such as I believe in, with, uh, with, with uh, Samson's parents, uh, the angel of the Lord came and spoke with them. Or maybe it was, uh, uh, and maybe also with uh, Gideon. And so various times he takes on this angel of the Lord. Can you read the chapter, continue. And then he is speaking as God and with the authority. And again, as we'll see here in this chapter. So we have Joshua, the Kohen Gadol. We have this angel of the Lord. Um, and we have Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. And so Hasatan is there to oppose Joshua, and he's there as the accuser of the brethren who accuses him day and night, and accuses us day and night. And so this scene here is a very important scene as it's being laid out here. It is showing us what is going on in reality every day of our lives if we could see the unseen. This is what is happening in our life. So it happened actual, taking place for Joshua. This was written for Joshua in his time. But it's also written for us because it applies to us as well. We also stand as Joshua. We also stand with the Lord beside us. And we also stand with Satan accusing us. And it's also prophetic for the last days, the very last judgment day, as our names come up before God in the judgment, Satan accuses us against God. Counting the record of our sins against us, 
claiming that we do not have a right to enter into heaven because of the deeds that he has tempted us to commit. He knows the sins that we've done. He tempted, he or his evil angels have tempted us, and so he has a, a record of it. He knows what we have done. He knows what we have thought. He knows the motives. He knows our character. He knows what he has tempted and, and, and caused us to fall, and the areas he's caused us to fall, and thus he is able to throw that in God's face and say, you kicked me out of heaven. How dare you attempt to let them into heaven? And so he accuses us, he brings it up to us, he, upon our minds and our hearts on a daily basis. You have no right for God's love, you have no right for God's blessing. Look at how you've messed this up, you've messed this up, you failed here, you failed there. You're no good. How could God love you? You need to make yourself better. You need to change your life. Constantly giving insinuations against us to discourage us, to bring us down. No one loves us, we're miserable, we're horrible, and try to discourage us from coming to God. And that forces some people to try and make their lives better before they come to God in some kind of an attempt to become acceptable to God. And so this is the scene that's playing out here, and it's the very scene that takes place in our minds when we have cartoons that illustrate this, where you have a person standing there, and they have a, a good angel on one shoulder and an evil angel on another shoulder, and this tug-of-war that's taking place. And that's what Joshua is experiencing here. And again, we experience that on a daily basis. Every time we, we get a thought to do something, and then a counter-thought comes to not do that, or to not do something and a counter-thought to do something. And, and we battle with that day by day. And, some, you know, I believe most of us wish that we could hear from God. Oh, I wish I could hear from God like Elijah heard from God. I wish God would speak to me as he spoke to Moses. Now we know what to do. But I believe God does speak to us. I believe God speaks to each one of us if we get in tune with hearing his voice speaking to us. And these are the voices that we're hearing. This, is, it, this pulling back and forth is this pull between God and Satan. And the choice which we make between those two, that is us. But the voices we're hearing, that is not us. They may take on our voice in our mind. Well, should I do this or should I do that? I was thinking I should do this. I was thinking I should do that. But it wasn't so much I was thinking and I was thinking. It was I was being led and I was being tempted. <laughs> And it can be on the simplest thing. Oh, put that tool away. Oh, I don't have to do it now. Right? Whatever it might be. Make that phone call. Oh, I can wait till later. Why should I call them anyway? To say something. No, oh, maybe I better not say that. To speak up. No, don't. They don't care anyway. And so we go through these thoughts. And it's God speaking. And we need to get in tune with which one is the real one. Which one is from the Lord and which one is not? And it might be, it seemed like a simple thing. What is the big deal if I put that tool away now or I put it down away later? Well, it might save us tripping on it sometime. It might save us that we go and do that and it saved us that we weren't in some place of some other accident or some other event that would happen if we didn't take that time. Or maybe it's just so that we get used to hearing God's voice. And the more we listen and hear and get used to that voice and obey that voice, follow that voice, move with that voice, choose to listen to that voice over the other voice, the more we become familiar with hearing him. And so I believe a lot of it's just practice. 
Now he's just trying to get, get our attention. And we get used to hearing him, we'll be better able to hear his voice clearer and more distinctly as days go on. And that's what's taking place here. That's what's taking place in our lives. The Lord standing there before us and Satan there accusing us, discouraging us, tempting us, leading us in the wrong place, in the wrong pattern. And it could be on actions, it could be on thoughts, on how we think about someone. I really shouldn't be dwelling on this. Well, they deserve it anyway. They, they shouldn't have done that to me anyway. And we go back and forth with these counterproductive thoughts and desires and uh, impressions to act or not to act. And it's these two voices that are taking place in our lives. This is reality. It was reality in our minds. It was reality for Joshua. And it'll be reality in the scenes in heaven before the throne of God. And especially as we get to the last days. And pressure all around us and all around the world. And all the world is against us. All the world is wandering after the beast. And not only people accusing us and people condemning us and saying, why don't you just go with the crowd? Why don't you just go with everyone else? Why don't you just follow along? This is the way we're doing it now. Your ways are old. Your ways are outdated. The Bible didn't actually mean that for our day. Certainly a loving God wouldn't think that way and say those things. Twisting. And then Satan comes in and pressures us as well. Accusing us, pushing us, standing against us, opposing God and us to try and get us to follow the wrong way. And the justifications will go through our mind. They'll say, you cannot buy, you cannot sell unless you follow the crowd, unless you go along. Well, I have to eat. I have to feed my family. And the battle will go on. And then they'll try and make us feel guilty for not providing for our needs and providing for our family and for not going with the crowd, for not getting along to get along. It'll make us feel guilty for doing the right thing, opposing God and opposing us all along the way. And yet with insinuations to help us out, like he did to Yeshua in the wilderness. Oh, you're hungry? I've got a solution. Just turn this rock into a bread and you'll be able to eat. I'm here to help you out. I'm here to make your life easier. I'm here to assist you. And in reality, he's opposing God and opposing God's will for our lives. Take a shortcut. I'll give you all these things. I'll make your life easier. I'll get you a job that you want. I'll get you a music career that you want. Just surrender to me. Whatever you want, just surrender to me and I will give you all things. Just bow down and worship me, and all of this world will be yours. He opposes with his lies and insinuations. And so what Joshua here was experiencing was the same thing that we experienced, the same thing Yeshua was experiencing there. A temptation to oppose God, to satisfy himself, to feed himself, to take the easy course but he stood on the word of God. And not on feelings, not on impressions, not on what seemed best and easiest for him. 
So how does Joshua respond to this being opposed? How does he respond to this Satan standing there at his right hand? Verse 2, the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? So again, we had three people or beings mentioned there. Joshua, the angel of the Lord, and Hasatan. Here is referred to, the angel of the Lord is referred to, the Lord said to Satan, to Hasatan. And so again, already we see this angel of the Lord is really the Lord himself as well. And the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. So what did Joshua, how did Joshua respond? Joshua didn't respond at all. He had no response. And we don't have a response. As Satan opposes us, as Satan tempts us, as Satan accuses us and tries to oppress us and reminds us of our sins and reminds us of our guilt and reminds us of our problems and reminds us of our weaknesses, don't get into a battle with him. We can't win a battle with him. He was a covering angel in heaven. He's older than us. He's smarter than us. He's been around a long time. He knows us better than we know ourselves. Don't try and get into a battle with him. Call upon our bigger brother. Call upon our elder brother. Call upon the Lord God Almighty, who has become with us, who stands with us, who is among us, who is with us, who is on our side, and let him fight the battle for us. And the Lord says, the Lord didn't get into an argument with him either. Same like when they were battling over the body of Moses. Does not give him a railing accusation, does not get into an argument with him, just said squarely, the Lord rebuke you, I'm taking him to heaven anyway. I know the sins that he made, I know the sins that he did, I know the murder that he did, I know the rock that he slammed. Nonetheless, I'm taking him to heaven. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Didn't get into a debate with him, and he doesn't get into a debate with him here either. In the wilderness, get behind me, Satan. Didn't get into a debate, quoted the word of God, and get behind me. If the Lord didn't battle with him and debate with him, neither should we. Just go under the covering of the Lord, hide under the Lord, and let the Lord fight our battles for us. Lord, help me. Lord, defend me. Lord, stand in my way. And quote the word of God. The word of God says, the Lord says, the Lord rebukes Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. And again, in context of Joshua's time, Yeshua ben Yehozadak, we come out of Babylon, relative few in number. Most stayed back. The pleasures of the world for a season. Few in number to come back and rebuild a wilderness that laid there, broken walls, broken cities, untilled soil for 70 years. Grown up weeds, trees in the fields. We're going to come down and move the rocks and start all over with very few people. And enemies there not wanting us to come and reoccupy the land. And opposing and oppressing, you can't do it. You don't have enough resources. You don't have enough people. You don't have enough talents. No one's on your side. God's really not on your side. You were foolish for leaving. You had it so good in Babylon. What are you doing here anyway? Accusing and opposing and tempting 
So God gives this prophecy to Zechariah to encourage Joshua in his battle, and he gives it to us to encourage us in our battle as well. All the world is wandering. What are you doing in such a small company? Why aren't you going along as well? You'd have it so much easier. Just go along. The Lord has chosen Jerusalem. The Lord has chosen his people. The Lord has not forgotten us. The Lord has not forsaken us. Though small in number, narrow is the way. Few there be that go therein. But the Lord is there. Only eight in the Ark of the Covenant, in the Ark of the Noah's Ark. The Lord is there. The Lord rebuke you who has chosen Jerusalem. Is this not a brand plucked out of the fire? Maybe you're going through a fire right now. Maybe you're going through a fiery trial. Maybe you're going through a fiery experience right now. Maybe there's enemies all around you taunting you and accusing you and blaming you and trying to feel you, make you feel worthless. You've made mistakes, bringing them up and flaunting them before you, trying to discourage you, trying to steal your faith, steal the hope of the Lord. God has pulled us out. Maybe you're in the fire because of mistakes you've made. Maybe you're in the trouble you're in because of sins that you've committed. Maybe the guilt is real. Confess it to the Lord and let him pull you out of the flame. Let him pull you out of the fire. We're all born in our carnal nature and our sinful nature and the Lord and the Lord alone has pulled us out of our path to hell. We're all on the path to hell. We're born on the path to hell. We're not heaven bound naturally, but he has pulled us as a brand out of the fire. We're in the midst of trouble, we're in the midst of a troubled land, but he pulls us out of the fire. He stands there with us in the fire and he takes us out of the fire as he did for Hananiah, Asher, uh, Hananiah Azariah and Mishael. Pull them out of the fire. He takes us out of the fire. He sees us through, he walks us through, and he takes us out and delivers us from the fire, from the problems, from the troubles, from the guilt, from the heartache, from the depression, from the fears, from the worries, from the cares of this world, trusting in him. Now Joshua still had problems. Again, he was still in the midst. The temple wasn't built yet. People were still few, resources still weren't there. But the Lord had a plan, and by faith he trusted. I'm a brand plucked out of the fire because the Lord says so. And that's our only defense. We don't see Joshua saying, oh, I did this, I did that. We don't see the Lord saying, well, I have chosen Joshua because he did this, because he did that, because of his position, because of his education, because of his good looks, because of what he did. No, he says, just the Lord rebuke you. That's it, I, God, the Lord have chosen Jerusalem. I have pulled him out of the fire. Not based on what Joshua has done, but what the Lord has done. And our worth is not based on what we have done. It's not based on what we are. It's based on what the Lord has done. It's based on what the Lord is. And he is good. 
and he is righteous, and he is holy, and he is all-powerful, and he has all resources, and thus our hope is in him. Our trust is in him. Our faith is in him. Our deliverance is in him. And him and him alone. Verse 3, Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. So he's clothed there with these filthy garments. Now picture there is the garments that he should have as the Kohen Gadol, but he's covered in filthy garments. Where do you get the filthy garments from? What's caused them to be filthy? Well, it could be a few things. His own sins that he has committed. That Satan has thrown mud on him as a result. That's what he does. He tempts us to do wrong and then he kicks us for doing it. He says, come with me, partner with me. Only to abuse us and misuse us. Paints a golden path and drags us through it. So our sins weighing down. And so Joshua is standing there, again, not excusing his sins. Not excusing the dirt. Not, this is not my dirt. Someone else threw this on me. This is what Satan will get us to do. It's not your fault anyway. Blame someone else. It's all their fault. It's your parents' fault. It's your mother's fault. It's your father's fault. It's your neighbor's fault. It's your kid's fault. It's your boss's fault. It's someone else's fault. They threw all this on you. And if it wasn't for them, you'd be a whole lot better. It's all theirs that you're smirched. Or to try and deny it. To deny it. Oh, it's really not that much dirt. It's less dirt than his dirt. Did you see his shirt? His shirt's a lot dirtier than my shirt. I'm not as bad as he is. Mine's not that bad. And so we try and excuse our sins or pass the buck and blame someone else. That's what Adam and Eve did. They blamed each other and the serpent at the same time trying to cover up their nakedness. Trying to hide it. Hide their sins, deny their sins, and also at the same time passing the buck. But that's not what Joshua's do. Joshua's clothed there and he's standing there with the filthy garments. Now another way he got, has filthy garments is because of his role. He's the Kohen Gadol. And part of his role is to carry the sins of the people. To bring them before the Lord, praying and interceding on behalf of others. And he's weighed down and he's burdened with all the people who stayed in Babylon. Why are they still in Babylon? They shouldn't be in Babylon. And weighed down and discouraged because the people have come or thinking of going back and thinking of building their own houses and not the house of the Lord. And they're getting discouraged. And he's weighed down with these problems. And he's bringing them before the Lord. And so Joshua here represents Joshua. He represents you and me. And in this way, he also represents Yeshua, the Messiah as well, who has borne our griefs, who became sin for us. He who knew no sin became sin, became filthy, became guilty, bore our sufferings, bore our guilt, became what we are. By taking us into himself, he became filthy with garment. His garments became filth, filthy. 
so filthy that the father himself had to shield himself and hide himself as Yeshua was bearing our sins in dying for them, that Yeshua could not even see through the veil and cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you left me? And if the Father would have stayed close in his presence, the glory of the Lord would have consumed the sins and consumed Yeshua with them. Thus the Father had to step back for a moment in time as he carried our robes upon himself, our sins upon himself, our flesh upon himself, and dying for us, becoming the sacrifice for us, becoming the intercessor for us, becoming the substitute for us. He knew, knew no sin became sin. That we, who know no righteousness, filled with filth, filled with guilt, even all our good deeds, all our righteousness is nothing but filthy rags, stained garments, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So amazing. We were in him and filthied his garments, and he is in us living out his righteousness, making us righteous in him. So amazing. Such a wonderful promise. And so he's standing there with the filthy garments. Now what is he going to do with his filthy garments? How is he going to get help from these filthy garments? Is he going to go and take a shower, wash them? What is he going to do? And he answered and spoke to those who stood by him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, See, I have removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with rich robes. Well, who's the he who answered? Who only has the authority to say, Take away the filthy garments? Who only has the authority to say, See, I removed the iniquity from you. I have clothed you with rich robes. Who and who only has that authority? The Lord, the Lord God Almighty. Correct. Exactly. But the verse before it said, he's standing with filthy garments before the angel. So here again, we see it's not an angel. Not a created being angel. It's the angel of the Lord. It's the Lord God Almighty in this form, standing here as a messenger, bringing this message to Joshua. And he answers and spoke to those who stood with him. So there are others here now standing with him as well, and we'll see who they are in just another few minutes. But they play this role here so far of taking away the filthy garments, as the Lord says, take away the filthy garments. Again, it's not something that Joshua does. There's nothing that Joshua can do with his filthy garments. You cannot cover your filth. You cannot remove your filth. You cannot change it. You cannot cleanse it. You cannot wash it. There's nothing you can do with your filthy garments. There's nothing you can do with your stained past. There's nothing you can do with your sin guilt, history. There's nothing we can do with it. There's nothing we can do with our carnal nature. There's nothing we can do with our earthly flesh except to have it removed from us and burned in the fire, destroyed and killed. He doesn't take it to the cleaners. He removes it away and takes it away from us. Not us. The Lord does it. The Lord has removed our filthy garments. 
And he did this before we were born. While we were yet sinners, the Messiah died for us. The Messiah loved us. Slain from the foundation of the world, before Adam and Eve even sinned, the plan was in effect. Done before us, without us, without our permission, he paid the price for us. He willingly gave himself for us. The Father and the Son partnered together. The Son would give his life. The Father would give the Son as a ransom for us. He only can take away our filthy garments. Not making it clean, not making it right, not helping it out. When I was in college, I just was a new believer, just maybe a couple of years into the faith of the Lord and of accepting the Messiah. And uh, some volunteers had come to help with handiwork around the campus. And there was one guy, and he was painting the, the door to the cafeteria. And it was a filthy door. Everyone had touched it. Everyone kicked it, kicked it open, whatever. I guess they had trays in their hands, and they kicked the door open. And it just got marks all over it. And this guy was painting it. And I said to him, I said, I think we're getting a new door. And he says, just like the Lord renews us and gives us a new clothing. And again, I didn't know much at that time, but the thought came to my head. And so I said, well, the Lord does even better than that. He doesn't just cover our sins. He first removes it from us and then puts the new coat of paint on us. And the guy said, yeah, you know, you're right. And I guess that stuck with me because I was surprised <laughs> that I was right anyway. But... Uh, but that's exactly what's happening here. The Lord just doesn't cover over our sins. We don't retain the carnal nature. We don't retain the earthly flesh and him just cover it and hide it. That's what Adam and Eve were trying to do. He rips away the, 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 the excuses. He rips away everything of flesh, all the sin. He takes it away. He removes it. He's a stain remover. And then just doesn't strip the door bare and leave a bare door. He didn't just strip, strip Joshua. If it ended there, if the verse ended there, he took away Joshua's filthy garments, then what would Joshua be? He'd be naked. That's right. He'd be naked. And the Lord doesn't leave us naked. He didn't leave Adam and Eve naked either. He pulled them out of the bushes they were hiding in. Ripped off their covering. Who told you you were naked? Who sinned? Why didn't you listen to me? But then it goes on and say, says, And the Lord clothed Adam and Eve with animals' skins. The Lord clothed them. The Lord sewed it together. The Lord put it together. Now where did he get animal skins from? No doubt he had instituted, at that moment in time, the sacrificial system. That they had to take the lambs. They had to take these little animals that they named, these little animals that they raised, these little animals that they knew, and kill them themselves. And then the Lord took those skins, skinned the animals, and sewed them clothing, perfect matches for them and covered them, stripped them bare and then covered them with the skins of the animals that were sacrificed in their behalf. The animals that died for their sins. 
And that's exactly what he's doing for Joshua. He's stripping away the filthy garments, putting them on himself, and changing garments with him. And that's what he does for us. He changes garments with us. He takes our filthy, whole-ridden garments and wears them and bears the punishment and goes as the criminal for us. Goes to the execution for us. Goes to the electric chair for us. And he gives us our garments. So the video camera catches us. They're wearing this, this hat, this jacket, this shirt, this pants. And Lord says, quickly, change with me. And then he says, I am the guilty one. And he bears our sins. But not just leaving us naked. He then says, here, take my garments. And go and hide. And he covers See, I will clothe you with rich robes. Those are the robes of the Lord. Not just any robes, but rich robes. Robes from heaven, robes sewn with the hand of God. Sewn with a needle dipped in blood. Sewn for us with great care, knowing our needs and covering us and making us new. The old has died, the old has passed away. The carnal nature has been crucified. The earthly flesh has been buried away. The nakedness has been removed. The garment has been removed, left naked and then covered. Seed has been buried in the ground and becomes a new plant. All things become new. No longer the old, putting on, as Peter says in 2 Peter, putting on the divine nature, being partakers of the divine nature. No longer the earthly nature, no longer the carnal nature, no longer the nature that is enmity against God, no longer the ones that are opposed to God. No longer those who are bent on hell and going towards hell. But taking the old nature, the old garments, and destroying them and removing them from us, he then clothes us with his rich garments and puts us on his path, puts his shoes on us, puts his righteousness upon us, and leads us in his way, in his path, in his direction and walks us therein, and gains us entrance into heaven because of what he has done. So the removing of the filthy garments, carrying the sin, becoming sin for us, was done before we were born without our permission. We receive that when we accept it by faith and confess our sins. Stand there before the Lord with our filthy garments, not excusing them, but confessing our sins, confessing our guilt, confessing our mistakes, confessing and acknowledging, yeah, they did this, but then I did this in reaction. They did that, and this is how I thought afterwards. This is how it affected me. 
confessing our guilt, and as Joshua, bearing the sins of others, confessing the sins of others, as Job did for his children, confessing the sins of others in their behalf to open the door that their minds might be open to receive the conviction and then they can surrender and confess their sins as well. So the Lord removes our sins before we were born without our permission. But then the second part, that's justification, then the second part comes in, the sanctification, I will clothe you with rich robes. Covers us and then lives out out of us. And he said, I, verse 5, let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and they put clothes on him and the angel of the Lord stood by. So he's the one commanding them, do these things. Take away, look, I have removed your iniquity from you. Put rich robes on him, a crown upon his, or a turban upon his head saying, holiness to the Lord. Puts upon our minds and our thoughts, holiness to the Lord. Holy thoughts, holy actions, holy deeds. Clean turban, clean clothes on him. And the Lord stands by, the Lord is on our side, the Lord is there with us. He never leaves us, he never forsakes us. He is standing with us, even as Satan accusing us, even as this process is going on. Right? Joshua's not clothing him. He doesn't say, okay, I removed the garments, now you go get dressed. He says, I took away the filthy garments, and I put a rich robe upon you. We have no more power to get forgiveness of sins than we have power to live a righteous life in our own. Without him, we can do nothing. But with him and through him, we can do all things. All things. Nothing is impossible for the Lord. He can give us victory over all temptation. He can remove every garment. Doesn't say he just removes the shirt. Doesn't remove just the what's seen. He can remove the motives. He can remove the undergarments as well. He can remove the socks as well. He totally cleanses. He totally sets us free. And he didn't just cover him with a mitre. He didn't just cover him with a fig leaf. He clothes him from head to toe with shoes and a turban upon his head, covers us fully and completely, that he lives his whole life out of us, giving us victory over all things, over every temptation. Satan is rebuked, not just the major ones, but over all things, he gives us victory. As he does this work, as he completes his work in us, both parts of the salvation. Saving us from the punishment of past sins and saving us from continuing in sin. He clothes us with rich garments. Too often all that's taught is one side or the other. Just forgiven. But still filthy. Or just do better, get better, change your behavior, try harder. But it's the Lord that cleanses, and the Lord that delivers, and the Lord who empowers as well to both will and to do of his good pleasure. It is the Lord who works in you 
the Lord in us. It is the Lord who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Verse 6, the angel of the Lord admonished Joshua saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, If you will walk in my ways and will keep my commands, then you shall also judge my house and likewise have charge of my courts. I will give you places to walk among those who stand here. Lord encourages and admonishes and commands to Joshua. Thus says the Lord of hosts. So again, he's speaking, promising. Thus it says, if you walk in my ways. So now he's called to walk. Not just be clothed and sit there, but to do something with the clothing. Do something with the gloves. Walk in my ways and keep my command. Now again, we don't have the ability to do that in our own strength, but God gives us the ability to do those things. And if we are willing and surrender and allow him to work in us, then he will. So the first part he did without us before we were born. The second part he does, he does, but he does it through us and only with our permission. Justification we accept by faith in what he has done. Sanctification we accept by his power to live in us and out of us with our permission. And so he says, I've clothed you, now what are you going to do with it? If you choose to allow me to live out of you, then you will walk in my ways, you will keep my commandments, and I will make you judge of my house and give you charge over my courts. If we surrender if we willingly let him work in us. Again, we can do all things through the Messiah who strengthens us. He gives us the power to do it. I just heard on the radio this week, I was turned on the radio a little early trying to catch the news, and so I caught the end of some talk or something, and they said, Oh, the Lord is so good. The Lord is so loving. He forgives us. He knows that we're guilty. He knows that we're weak. He knows that we're human. He knows we're going to fall. He knows we're going to fail. But he loves us anyway. And so just hold on to his love. Even as you fall, even as you make mistakes, hold on to his love. Hold on to his grace. Hold on to his mercy. Well, if that's all the Lord can do. I mean, I know dogs that are that forgiving. You know, I mean, that's nothing. Big deal. Yeah, so he forgives, but he's more than that. He's more powerful than that. More than just, oh, he knows we're weak. He knows just we're weak. He knows we can do nothing. That's why he knows we're standing there with filthy garments. But he says, remove the filthy garments from him. And say, leave the filthy garments on him. And just put a nice hat on him. Don't just put some nice flowers around his neck. Don't just spray some perfume on him. No, remove the filthy garments from him and clothe him with new garments, a whole new creature, a whole new nature. And I will live in you, and I will walk in you, and I will sanctify you, and you will be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. And I will make all things new. And I will present you before the throne of God without spot, without wrinkle, holy and righteous unto the Lord, as a virgin bride, without defilement, without guile in your mouth, I will present you before the Lord. He works in us and transforms us. 
and lets us walk among those who stand by. Who are these that are standing by? Those that he's commissioning. These angels unseen. Know ye not that you entertain angels unaware. God's angels are here. The Lord is standing with us. Yes, Satan is there opposing us, but we don't have to listen to him. And angels are there. Yes, there's evil angels, but there's two heavenly angels for every evil angel. Listen to them. And he'll let us walk among them. He'll open our eyes to see there's more with us than are against us. Give us the ability to see the heavenly angels as this whole world is falling apart and it's going to fall apart a whole lot worse than it already is. And it is going crazy. Crazy. I just saw a Tampa Walmart was totally looted. Craziness that's going on. It's going to get worse. But look up, because that means our redemption trust nigh. But hold on to the Lord. He will see us through a brand plucked out of the fire. He'll take us through. He'll lead us and direct us, and he'll give us the ability to stand among angels here, in the here and now. And for eternity, we will walk with the angels, the unfallen angels, and walk among them. If we accept by faith his removal of our garments, if we accept by faith his clothing us with rich garments, if we accept by faith his Holy Spirit to come in us and walk through us and keep his commandments through us, we surrender and let go and let God do it through us. He'll make us more than victors in him, more than conquerors, overcomers through the blood of the Lamb and through the word of our testimony. Hear, O Joshua the Kohen Gadol, you and your companions who sit before you, for they are a wondrous sign, for behold, I am bringing forth my servant, the branch. Now he mentions this branch in chapter 6 as well, as well as in Isaiah he's mentioned. So we're going to come to this branch another time. We'll give a whole sermon on this branch, but it's the Messiah, it's prophesying the Messiah to come, as well, the branch for us. His servant, the branch, who was in the fire with us also, and who was plucked out of the fire as well, who is his, our servant, who has become our servant for us, the servant, the branch. A wondrous sign to behold. Again, we'll get into that more another time. In verse 9, for behold, the stone that I have laid before Joshua... Upon the stone are, stone are seven eyes, and behold, I have in, will engrave its inscription, says the Lord of hosts. I will in, remove the iniquity of the land in one day. So the stone with seven eyes, and like in Revelation it talks about seven eyes in the Lord's presence. And so here's this, the Lord sees, the Lord knows. He knows our troubles. He knows the accusations. He's standing there. He's heard them. He sees the filthy garments. We can't hide them. He sees us hiding behind our trees, hiding behind our excuses, hiding behind our blame of others. He sees us there. His eyes are there. His eyes are in all places. But he also sees what we can be in him. He knows the work he has done for us. and He knows the work he is wanting to do. And then he will engrave its inscription. He'll engrave upon it. I remove the iniquity of the land. He loves the land. Seventy years we were in Babylon, but he did not forget the land. He did not forget Jerusalem. 
And he has not forgotten you. He has not forgotten us. He has not forgotten his people. And it's not so much the dirt of the land, but it's the people of the land. He has not forgotten us. He has not forgotten this world. Even as it tumbles down more and more into sin, tumbles down worse and worse into rejection of him, tumbles down more and more into confusion, diving headlong into debauchery and sin and rejection of God. He has not forgotten this world. He's looking for people like Joshua who will intercede in their behalf. People who will stand there and pray for them and witness for them and stand up for the Lord and let the Lord clothe us with his filthy garment, with his righteous garments, with his rich garments. And let his diadem shine forth holiness to the Lord. And he removes it in one day. We're not evolutionists. We don't believe it takes forever to get victory over sin. It didn't take forever to remove the filthy garments. It didn't take forever to clothe him with righteous robes. The Lord said it and it's done. The Lord says remove his guilty garment, his filthy garments, and they're removed. The Lord says put a clean robe on him and they put clean robes on him. And it's done. We don't have to wait. Oh, I'll gain victory over that someday. Someday I'll get better. Someday I'll stop doing that. Someday I'll do more. Someday I'll do what's right. Someday I'm trying. I'm trying real hard. Forget about the trying. Surrender and let the Lord do it. And the Lord said, let there be light. And there was light. Accept the removal of the guilt. Accept the removal of the sin. Now the sanctification, becoming righteous, takes place over a whole lifetime. But not over every sin. Each sin, it's because there's so many sins in us. One by one, he doesn't give us victory over all at one time because it would overwhelm us to think of how much sin is in us. But one by one, he reveals and we confess and he removes and he then gives us victory over it. Then he reveals another one. We confess it. He removes it. And he gives us victory over that. But it doesn't have to take long periods of time, eons of time, millions of years to gain victory over it. He says it, and it's done. And he has said, remove the filthy garments. If you're carrying on guilt of the past, if you're carrying some guilt of some mistake that you made, confess it right now and receive the forgiveness. And boom, it's done. You might still feel guilty. It was horrible. You did that thing. But he's forgiven you. And by God's grace, do what you can to make right if you hurt someone. But then accept his robe of righteousness not to do it again. Not to do it anymore. Accept his victory now, tonight. In one day, accept the victory. Accept his power. Accept his might. Accept a changed character. Accept him into your heart and mind. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the days of old. Now, today, this moment, Confess, receive the forgiveness, receive the power, gain the victory through him, and walk on in newness of life. And in that day, says the Lord of hosts, everyone will invite his neighbor under his vine and under his fig tree. I can't wait for that time. That'll be a glorious time. In the new heavens and new earth, standing among those who stand by, the heavenly angels 
and all the righteous ones redeemed down through the ages. And we'll invite our friends to come over under our sukkah, under our tabernacle, under our fig tree. Come under my fig tree. Come and hang out in the shade with me. Sit in the hammock with me. Eat some grapes from the vines here, under the vine and under the fig tree. He came to Israel barren. Don't worry, there's going to be fig trees. There's going to be vineyards. I have not forgotten Jerusalem. Yes, it's dismal in this earth now. Yes, there's problems in this earth now. But we're going to sit under fig trees. We're going to sit under vines. We're going to enjoy the fruit of the land. We're going to enjoy the fruit from the tree of life. We're going to enjoy eternity with the Lord. Don't worry about the here and now. The Lord has plucked us out of the fire. He'll see us through the judgment. He'll stand there in our behalf as Satan accuses us for our mistakes. But they've been forgiven. They've been cleansed. They've been removed. He's given us victory. Hold on by faith and look forward to the fig trees and the vineyards as we walk together with him. So as we pray together, if you're feeling Satan's accusations against you, if you're torn down with woes and problems from your past, pointing out all the stains in your garment, surrender it to the Lord and accept his acceptance and accept his removal of the sin because of what he has done in our behalf. Secondly, if there's some area you haven't gained the victory. Don't stay there naked, accepting only the forgiveness. Accept the Lord's righteousness. Accept his robe and allow him to cover you and clothe you. And give him, allow, receive the Holy Spirit to give us the ability to walk in his ways and walk in his light. If you've been excusing your sins and excusing your problems, putting it off, waiting to some other time, now is the time. Surrender it to the Lord and accept his grace and his power. Let him work in you and through you. If you don't have the assurance of heaven, you don't have the assurance of the fig tree and the vine, in a moment when we pray, accept the Lord's gift of salvation that he has already paid for you. And accept the Holy Spirit to come into your life and give you a new life, a new heart, and new mind. And fifth, if the Lord is impressing you with someone who doesn't know the Lord, and you're willing to pray in their behalf, like a Joshua, like a Kohen Gadol, praying, confessing their sins for them, so that the Lord can move and open up their hearts and minds and bring his truth to their lives, then a moment when we pray, present them before the Lord. If any of those areas apply to you, let us pray and let God do his mighty work in us. Let's pray together. Our Lord and our God, King of the universe, thank you for bearing our filthy garments. Thank you for taking our sins away. Thank you, Yeshua, for becoming our sacrifice. Thank you for standing with us and standing before us and defending us against the enemy, against the Satan. Thank you, Lord, for standing against the adversary and standing in our defense. Thank you for rebuking him. Thank you for removing our filthy garments. Thank you for clothing us in your rich robes with your righteousness. Cover us right now, and day by day, moment by moment. Fill us with your spirit. 
live out of us and in us. But thank you for loving the land. Thank you for loving this world. Lord, please forgive them. They know not what they're doing. Lord, shine out of us and use us in teaching them about you so they can also be brands plucked out of the fire. In Yeshua's holy name, amen.